Hi everyone, it's Nelly here. How are you doing? Today we have our second return co-host. We're back for sloppy seconds with the one and only Joe Stanley. Joe joined us for episode 10 on the 23rd of March and talked us through her late to start dating, her early-ish marriage and making it work through the trials and tribulations of a long-term relationship, life, love, alcohol, date nights, kids, all the things. Now, Joe's not a fan of beards and listening to her musings on that alone is worth it. Because we've already covered that story in her first episode, today I give Joe the chance to turn the tables and ask me some questions. Joe chose to ask me about how to support friends through divorce and separation, which is a fantastic question. I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't tell them to go back or what to do. What you do do is listen to them. Just a hint. Now we take some awesome listener calls on what to do if your partner gets jealous when you exercise. Yes, that one floored us both. And Mari, beautiful Mari, she calls back to tell us how she's going post chemo. As always, Jo is thoughtful, she's kind, she's hilarious. There's a reason I asked her back. We recorded this episode on Zoom, but don't worry. I upped the Wi-Fi at home and I reckon it sounds good. This podcast was recorded at my house in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, a couple of quick things. Oh my God, we hit 100 thousand downloads. What started out as a little podcast with me and Sammy in the studio just a few short months ago has morphed into a real community and I'm so proud. It's growing. If you love the podcast, the best thing you can do is listen each week. And also if you can give it a five star rating on the app you listen on, that helps other people find it. Also, if you're in a position to do so, if you can subscribe to Dear Nelly Plus, that helps pay for the equipment and the studio fees and wages of everyone involved. It's only $5 a month and you get a bonus episode and other perks. While we're here, a quick reminder that we're doing another live show. Coming to the live show means you have a great time, but it also helps pay for the podcast. Plus, you get to meet me. The next live show is on May 20th as part of Ida Hobbit Day, which is the International Day Against Homophobia, Biophobia and Transphobia. And our special guest is world-renowned comedy cabaret camp superstar Ruben Kay. It's at Comedy Republic in Melbourne, but we will also live live stream it for overseas, interstate and listeners with disabilities. See the show notes for info or you can go to my website at nellythomas.com for details. Last but not least, this is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit. So off you fuck. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yes, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through.
Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. And we are here with our second sloppy seconds. We have a return <laughs> co-host in the form of the wonderful Joe Stanley. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Now, for those who I'm conscious that some people come into the podcast not having listened to everything else. so Of course. I mean, it's rude, but sure, late rude. to a dinner party, we've got to introduce them. And go back, <laughs> yeah. right, listen to everything. Mm. Um, but given that you are a return guest, normally we start the podcast by going through your relationships history, but we're not going to do that. Nah. We'll do a quick recap. Can you remember what episode number you were? Oh, goodness. No. I'm going to guess you're about 10. Maybe really? Something that like really? that. That yeah. early in the piece. I think so, doll. Oh. I think so. Anyway, the people listening, look in your podcast feed, look for the one that's got Joe Stanley. I think the word pubes is in the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, most definitely the reviews have been amazing. Well, they absolutely have. I'm going to give a quick pricey of your relationship history and you can correct me as desired. Um, you were partnered pretty young. You're a bit of a late bloomer, but partnered pretty young. <laughs> How can I be a late bloomer and partnered young? Well, it's not like you were putting it about when you were 15, is what I'm saying. No, I was I was a, a Christian girl. Yeah. You came um, from a fairly conservative background. This is correct, yes. But then I, which is probably why I did then marry at 27. Yeah. Mm. Oh, was it 27? But you got together younger. At 25, yeah. At 25, yeah, which, mm. you know, some people listening will go, that's young, and other people will go, that's normal. It's I've Is it? Well, I'm finding this current younger generation are all partnering at that age, and I'm yeah. feeling like there was a gap between me and yeah. that generation where it was like 35, 33, 32. Yeah. Now it's gone back to 22, 23, like they're yeah. getting married really young. I'm like, oh. Yeah, well, what do you think? <laughs> Are you sure that? about that? <laughs> What's that about? I I don't know. I a part of me thinks, oh, perhaps they just think it's so easy to then get divorced that they'll mm. end up having two marriages in their lifetime. That they've got an out. That's interesting. I wonder. I think there's this generation. Well, the generations below us, I think, have encountered significant instability. Mm. I mean, even with climate change, housing crisis, all the rest of it. And I wonder if it's like a safe harbour. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's lovely. Good yeah. on them. Romantic. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. <laughs> so you, in your first um, episode, which I really appreciated, talked about, you know, the ups and downs of a long-term relationship. It's not all beer and Skittles. Um, and you were very open and honest about that, and I think people really responded to that, and I particularly responded to the fact that you had a date night where you pretty much shut your pants. <laughs> I shit my pants. I was in the toilet. I thought you... <laughs> you were close. I did have diarrhoea, but I did not shit my pants. Um, that Diarrhea you know, on date night, that is I'm, hot. I'm holding on to that for uh, maybe in my... Elder years when uh, I, you know, you should not, you should not shut the door to romance just because you've lost bowel control. <laughs> I, I don't know. What are you going to do? I've been married um, 20, 
Oh, with my husband over 25 years, so. Yeah, and look, that's the reality of a long-term relationship. I mean, you're going to see someone shit their pants at some point. At like, some point, we might end up changing each other's nappies. Human beings have bodies. Deal with it. If you want to be a sexual being, you know, <laughs> to quote one of my favourite all-time acts, Talking Puffy, if you can't handle shit on the sheets, get out of the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would be doing a little tapestry and putting that above the bed. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm going to learn to whatever that do needle cross work. stitch, cross stitch, do some cross stitch. Now <laughs> I'm going to be completely self indulgent and start with a listener review, but I'm not so self indulgent that I can read it myself. So would you read it, please, oh. dear Joe? Hold the phone. Hi, Nelly. Just wanted to say I'm loving your podcast. I must look like a mad woman walking around the neighbourhood lolling. Isn't that fun, Nellie, as an aside? <laughs> My husband's the same. He walks around listening to Smartless and whoever else and he laughs so loud, yeah. but he doesn't realise he's walked up behind someone, scares no. the shit out of them. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, this person says, your theme song is driving me crazy, though. It's so <laughs> catchy. It's on a reel in my head for about two hours a day after I listen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What that's obviously what is it? Dear Nelly, da, 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 da. it's an earworm. Yeah, it's love an it. Earworm. And we've got to give the wonderful Casey Bonetto all the credit for that. It's an earworm for me. I mean, I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, Nelly is a really great name for that. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I mean, if it was Siobhan, not quite. Yeah. Dear Siobhan. <laughs> And I love the name Siobhan. It's actually one of my favourites, but it's not, hasn't got that Nelly, Nelly, you know, it's Nelly, good. Nelly, Nelly. does it sound the oldie-worldie. Um, she goes on to say, thanks for all you do for us, Molds. I just love you. Best Aww. Colette in Sydney. Oh, Love it, Colette. Thank you. P.S. After listening to you and Kirsty Webeck, I'm going to see her show in a couple of weeks. I saw Ms. Webeck's show. It is amazing. So good, and she's currently touring. So mm. just look on her website, and you must go. I've said this a million times, but uh, I'm sure you concur. It's just one of those. It's just a solid hour of bloody good stand up, you know. Like she's a stand up at the top of her game. Yeah, you just like come it's back going. Oh, I feel happy. Yeah, and the other thing with Kirsty is you feel in really good hands. Like yeah. you don't have that moment where you're like, oh, where's this going to no. go? Um, you just have a real sense that you're going to be taken along for a beautiful journey. It's like yeah. a comfortable kind of, you know, cuddle in the form yes. of good laughs. Yes, you feel safe. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, if something goes off the rails, she can handle it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when you know you're watching good stand-up. But back to me, Joe. Sure, back to um, you. <laughs> I mean, it's your podcast, Jeez. <laughs> what are we talking about, Kirsty Weebeck for? I have to say to Colette and all the other people that write in, and you'd know this, Joe. like I, I don't know if people realise how much it means because mm. when you are doing anything in the public eye, you, you get a lot of the opposite. Yeah. Um, and so when you do get positive feedback and someone who, you know, just for me the image of Colette walking around Sydney with me in her ears and my guests and laughing, it, it really does bring me great joy. Of course, and I say to Colette and everybody else to put figuratively pen to paper is yeah. no no small thing. You've made yeah, time in you. your day, and that is amazing. So thank you. Yeah, and I will if I can put my feminista pants on for a minute. I always, I really try whenever I see, um, you know, a woman in the public eye who's copying some shit. Not if I don't agree with them, but you know, if I think that they're being unfairly. 
um, targeted, I make a point of reaching out and it matters. Like it makes mm-hmm. it makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is exciting and terrifying for me at the same time. And I'm very carefully selecting my sloppy seconds co-host because I am giving in with all my return co-hosts, I'm giving you a new segment. I'm sorry, Nelly. I'm so sorry. This is as this is a you know, insight into a marriage of 25 years. My husband has stuck his head around the corner. Oh, Daz, fuck off. Fuck off, Nelly says. What? What time are you picking out the child from football, which I do every Wednesday night? Yes, it's at quarter past six. I told you that. And straight to gym. Straight to gymnastics, Jesus. <laughs> I'm back in the room. I apologize. Sammy, leave it in. Cut it. It's the promo <laughs> for the episode. I mean, that's domestic bliss right there. That's so <laughs> Anybody who's ever had a partner will know. I know. That. Oh, seriously, listeners, if you can see the look on Joe's face now. All right, so with my return co-hosts, I'm doing something slightly terrifying, um, but I am selecting them carefully because I feel quite vulnerable in um, this next segment. But I figure I ask my co-hosts to show their their belly figuratively like the uh, Labrador, and I'm going to do it myself. So, dear Joe Stanley, you have a free kick to ask me a question. Um, all right. Well, I was excited when you told me this. It's a bit obvious. That's why I said yes to come yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> although to be called sloppy seconds is quite a treat. <laughs> Isn't it a treat? And to be fair, you can call me anytime and ask me any question, but I will accept your question live on the podcast. Yeah, okay. Um, and also when you said belly up like a Labrador, I know you have an oodle of some kind. Yes. I have got a Labrador, but I'm sure their behaviour is very similar in that when they belly up, like it's literally legs akimbo. Oh, yeah. Like fully... Yeah, snatch out. Tits up, snatch yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, totally. But that's my, for me, that's my visual metaphor of vulnerability because, you know, that's when an animal will do with that with you, they trust you. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm I glad trust you. you trust me. That's lovely. Um, well, I guess I am really keen to learn always mm. and am very aware that I have been married for, you know, decades and so uh, my understanding of what it's like to go through a separation and a divorce is really very limited other than a observational, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm keen to know how best I can help my friends who I'm surrounded by who are separating and divorcing mm. and going through a brutally hard time, even yeah. if it is uh, inverted commas, you know, amenable, mm. it's brutal because you're, from what I observe, you know, you're having to decide what your life is going to be now, which is something mm. that a lot of my friends never expected they'd be going through. So mm. I guess I want to know how I can help. Oh, that's a great question. I think it's, um, well, I think it's interesting when you were saying that, I thought, you know, we talk about the sand- sandwich generation where there's a lot of women of our age who are caring for children and possibly the generation above them as well. One thing that's left out of that is that there's also a lot of women of our age and there's a lot of people of our age caring for friends and family going through separation and divorce because, you know, this is the time, right? Mm. It's it's often in your 40s that people kind of call it. Yeah. Um, 
how can you help? I think there's some practical things. One of the things I think, particularly if you're dealing with a single parent, but um, in general, is that first night on your own, oh, it's hard. Like if I take myself back there, I feel teary. You know, the the first night, particularly that I didn't have the kids, mm-hmm. um, was, I mean, that's when the rubber hits the road because I think, like I've got a friend going through this at the moment. She messaged me about a month ago and, to be frank, she was experiencing the euphoria of having made the decision, you know, of kind of like I know I needed to do this for a long time, the euphoria, the freedom, the possibilities um, of being able to start again. It's all the positives. That first night without your kids, it becomes very real, Mm. very, very real. So just on a practical level, if you're listening and you know someone going through that, just offer to hang out with them, offer to sleep over, you know. Do you find yourself or is it a common or common, well, is it an experience, common or otherwise, for someone to feel like, oh, my God, what have I done? And maybe I haven't made the right decision. Yeah, but I think that comes later. So I think that, I mean, I'm talking in generalisations, but I think if you've been thinking about it for a long time and you make the call, even though the conversation's really hard and, you know, you know you've got to tell people and family, all that stuff, that's really hard. But what I felt and certainly what I observed was also just a, such a huge sense of relief mm. in sort of going, you know, I've done the hard thing and you can. it's a bit like grief in a way where you can initially cope really well and it's like a month later that it hits you, the reality of the grief of losing the relationship, the identity, the logistics, um, the fact that it's not going to end, mm. you know, that it's it's not just done, you know. There is still conversations to be had, feelings to be managed, yours, theirs, your family, your friends, your kids, um, I think a lot of people have a delayed reaction to that. And I, I reckon I definitely did. And I'm probably still doing that, you know, like and you cope. Well, I mean, you have to cope, right? Yeah. You cope because you have to because the alternative yeah. is just not a pathway you can take, right, particularly yeah. if you have kids. Um, but what I've observed too is whilst you're having that perhaps delayed reaction and going through all those things that you just listed so eloquently, also, the person that you have separated from is going through their version of that. Right. And that can be a real, uh, shall we say, point of conflict. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, people don't necessarily behave their best in those oh. times. And then what I'm observing of my friends is they discover things about their former partner that they're like, whoa, I just did not know they had that oh. kind of vitriol in them. Oh, 100%. So a top tip, and this is with my respectful relationships hat on, if you are the friend of someone who has been left, one of the best things you can do, one of the hardest things but kindest things you can do is tell them to leave the other person alone. Mm. And I'm not speaking from personal experience here. I'm talking about my background in family violence and respectful relationships and so on. That if a person is, perceives that they have been dumped um, and that they didn't see it coming and that they're in a lot of pain, often, as you say, they're not at their best 
And one of the things that they can do, quite frankly, is borderline stalking. And they actually need to be told by someone who loves and trusts them, leave them alone, like they mm. are actually allowed to leave you. And that's a really bloody hard conversation. But in the context of this epidemic of um, abusive relationships that we are in, in Australia, that needs to be spelled out really clearly. And that's genderless. Absolutely. Right? That needs to be said. Like if you need to, you feel like you need to call so-and-so, you call me. All right? You feel like you need to say some abusive thing about them, you tell me. Give them a space to do it because people do need to express their feelings, but leave your ex alone. I struggle uh, to place myself in a, you know, any kind of scenario where I might be suggesting behaviour or giving advice, not giving advice mm -hmm. even, but like I just like I don't have lived experience. Yeah. It's not for me to say. Like I'm, I, I can talk about how hard it is to stay married, but I yeah. can't talk about anything beyond the decision to leave or to be left, right? So I, I would just... Actually, I would challenge that because I reckon imagine yourself in a situation where Willow comes to you in 10 years and she's broken up with someone and they're repeatedly texting her, begging her to come back, showing up at her house, coming to her workplace, you would know exactly what to tell her. Oh, that's true. Yes, that is What to tell them. You know, even though you haven't experienced it directly, you kind of, in a way, that's good because you're not in the heat of it. So you need to be the sage advice giver because you're not heightened. So let's say a friend of yours breaks up with with their husband or is drop, dropped by their husband and comes to you and says, oh, I was actually waiting out the front of his workplace in the car. It's all right to go, yeah, mate, you can't do that. Like mm -hmm. I understand you're in pain um, and I understand how how wretched you feel, but you can't do that mm -hmm. and be really clear. Going back to the things you learn, geez, how often do we hear that? Like I was talking to a mate the other day and she'd been round to her ex-husband's house. This is so banal but so real. She'd been round to her ex-husband's place um, to pick up the kids and she said, like, the house was clean, um, you know, the linen was clean and he had, like, house plants and it really unraveled her. And it was some years since they broke up. But she was like, I was begging him for years, mm. you know, to contribute around the house and he simply wouldn't do it. And I kept thinking maybe it was me or maybe I was asking wrong or all those things and it turns out he could do it all along. And I think that's not a negative change. That's a good thing. He's grown. But it's also that thing of like, shit, I didn't even know you were capable of that. Mm. And then the, I didn't know you were capable of, you know, being so tight with money or being mean or those things. But there's a whole range of things you learn about your ex and yourself that you weren't expecting. You know, if you've been like I was with my ex for 21 years, you think you know everything. Yeah, but also I think you assume that the two of you together are the same as the two of you when you're apart. Absolutely right. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I I know even because I've I've seen Daz when yeah. he doesn't know I'm watching him. He doesn't know yeah. I'm in the room. Yeah. I've seen him with his friends. Yeah, and he and I'm like, yeah, I know what you're like, mate. Yeah, 
like and he's amazing yeah. but like and the same with me like I'm sure that he's yeah. you know there are parts of me that I don't share with him yes yes and different relationships bring out different dynamics I mm. mean again, I'm, I'm I'm hating to be a deputy downer but I noticed when all of the um Johnny Depp Amber Heard um stuff came out in the media what they did was, you know, Johnny Depp's side sort of hauled out his ex-wives to sort of say, well, he, I can't believe this. He would never, mm-hmm. he never treated me like that. And I thought, but that's not uncommon. No. You know, like not every perpetrator, if he is a perpetrator, not every perpetrator perpetrates in every partnership, you know, and people change over time. And, I mean, that's the really extreme end. Yeah, but, I, I, but I, like I've had boyfriends that sent me crazy. Like yeah. actually was, I was unhinged yeah. with that person. Yeah. 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 And even on a more banal level, if there is a, you know, if you're a sort of alpha personality and, and they're not, they might be alpha in the next relationship. Depend, You know, these things are sort of relative. So while they might not step up and, I don't know, bloody unload the dishwasher, maybe they will in another environment. Mm. And that can be bloody challenging because you think, I was trying all the things, you know, when you, I mean, yeah. you do that a lot, don't you, with um, dads later in life who have second families. Yeah. Become a lot more connected to their second lot of children. And are they not allowed to learn about the fact that they had a relationship that ended and they're like, oh, hang on, now my kids, those kids are grown up and what have I missed? Well, thank goodness they've learned. Mm. It's devastating oh. for the kids who are going, but, hey, what about me? I was going to say, but, thank goodness they've learned, but imagine being that kid. Yeah, awful. You know, like awful. Watching, watching the, I remember watching the um, Elton John movie. I can't remember what it was called now, but, you know, him watching his dad. Oh, yes. With the second lot of Rocket kids. Rocket Man. made me cry. Rocket Man, which I bloody loved. I, I loved it. Oh, oh. yes. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. So good. I can't wait for my daughter to be old enough for me to be able to say, yes, you can watch a movie where there's open usage of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's desperate to see it. And I'm like. There's also rehab. There's also rehab. Oh, sure. But that <laughs> image of him, just what the the sadness of him watching his dad loving mm. another child, because what that says to him is, oh, you are capable of it. I just wasn't good I, enough. I just wasn't enough. Mm. You know, so yeah, I think that that stuff that stuff is really rough. So I think in terms of being a good supportive friend, you are going to have to challenge sometimes. It's like when you've got a friend who, you know, is deeply depressed. You know, do you judge that? No. Is there a point at which you might go around and say, all right, can we get you in the shower? All right, mm. let's just have a shower. That's all you got to do. You know, I'm not telling you to do bloody affirmations. We're not going to yoga, um, but we've got to start somewhere. You might need to be that gentle challenge. Having said that, I think the biggest mistake um, friends make in supporting someone going through divorce is trying to tell them what they should do. Mm. You, know, you uh, should I go just, back yeah. or you Oof. should do, get therapy or you should see a relationship. So, like so many shoulds, just listen. Mm. Just listen. Unless they're hurting themselves or someone else, you know, just listen. Yeah, I, I feel uh, deeply unqualified to say any. I mean, I hate should sentences anyway. Anyway, yeah. Ugh, they make me want to want to. I'd like I have a physical reaction to it, yeah. um, but in particularly when it comes to people who are, yeah, re re like understanding who they are after the end of a relationship. That's yeah. just 
And I think don't, and and this is part of that, don't make assumptions. You and I talked before about how, you know, almost universally, if you tell someone you got divorced, they they go, oh, I'm so sorry. So you're making Mm. an assumption that it's a negative. I would advise people to say, oh, how are you feeling? Yeah. And you give that friend space to go, oh, God, I feel relieved. Mm. Or I feel happy. Or I think this is best for everybody. Or they might say, this is the worst time of my life, but they might not. And what they say might change one week in compared to one month, compared to six months, compared to five years. Yeah. Just create that space and don't don't make it about you. Basically, don't assume like if this happened to me, this is how I'd feel. You know, this yeah. is how I feel. That's the thing with empathy, isn't it? That sometimes mm. it actually isn't really compassion's kind of a for me, I prefer compassion a lot of the time yes. to empathy. Because yes. empathy does make it all about you, really. It does. And you can actually, as you, the same with grief, you can end up putting that person in a position where they're looking after you. <laughs> yeah. now, you're sad. now you're sad that my relationship ended. You know? So um, can we bring it yeah. back to the person involved? And like I said, logistically, sure, if you've got money, buy them a massage voucher. What it, like, sure, do those things. Acknowledge the grief and the difficulty but I reckon the best thing you can do is offer that company and sort of say particularly the first, like I had uh, didn't have the kids on Friday nights for the first however many months and it would have been lovely, I reckon, to just have someone go, do you want me to come stay over? Mm-hmm. Like just come watch a movie, you know, and just just hang out so that you're not rattling around in the house on your own. I probably would have said no to the majority of those offers, but it would have been nice to have them. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another question for you. Yeah. Um, down the track, let's say. Oh no, it doesn't even let's not let's not put a timestamp on it. Right? Yeah. What should my response be when like I might be with a bunch of girlfriends, like it's our little tight group, right? And they're all separated. Yeah. Okay. Varying timelines for them. Yeah. Um, and they really enjoy you know, the the uh, fairly, and it's comic, but it's also really nasty bitching about the ex, right? Yes. And, again, I've, I have zero um, life experience of this, so it's actually not for me to say. But at least one of those people that they're talking about I kind of fairly friendly with. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, at what point is that now not helpful for you? Is this this mm. black humor becomes, and it's a cathartic thing, I guess. Yeah. But I I really at times think is it not useful? Yeah. No. I look in. It's a generalization, but I'm again it. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't yeah, like I just. I think it's perfectly okay um, to have a few friends to whom you offload. But there's a point at which I think you do actually need to be pulled up, and I've had to do this um, to to other friends and kind of go, right, we're giving it 10 minutes, go. Mm. All right, say whatever you want for 10 minutes, even if it is the ex is a friend of mine, go for it. But we're not going to have all of our, our friendship isn't going to be dominated by this, and I don't think it's good for our friendship, and I don't think it's good for you either. No, see, I, yeah, exactly, because I, I kind of liken it to... Oh my god, it's such a like a commercial radio trope 
to talk about oh your best revenge stories. Yeah, no, and I hate them because partly because they always end up with prawns in a car. Yeah, but, I, but I'm just like, that is no. not. That's not your healing journey. No. Like, what are no. you doing? No, I don't like it. I really think it keeps you trapped in a relationship that you left. Yeah. Right. So you're keeping, you're giving them real estate in your head. Um, I think, you know, and I've said this ad nauseum on the podcast, get a freaking therapist. That's what you use that for, like to really get that stuff out, particularly if you've got a an, an awful breakup because it's also not healthy to never talk about it. But if you're every time you catch up with your girlfriend, you're like, and he did this or she did this and they're a fucking asshole and you're trapped in that relationship, you may as well not have left and you are not going to create head or heart space um, for new things. And I don't even mean new people. I mean new things, experiences and whatever to enter your life if you're fixated on that. If you've got kids, there's a whole other layer that yeah. you're talking about their dad yeah. or their mum, right? So you never do that in front of the children ever would be my hard and fast rule. Not Absolutely. to say you can't do it, but pick your time and place. Mm. Journal is for. That's what a journal is <laughs> for. That's what a therapist is for. Definitely fine. Like I would do when I needed to have a bit of a whinge, I would call our mutual friend Helen Thorne. Um, because she got divorced, what, a year or two before me. And so I knew she was in a similar headspace but a bit further along rather than sit with, I certainly wouldn't every time I caught up with a friend go, and this happened, and this happened, and it's just not good for you and it's not fair on your mates. Mm. You know, like I think it's I'm going to give you permission as that friend or the friends listening to draw a line under that at some point and kind of go, like I said, I would go, right, we've got 10, 15 minutes on this, you know, wine catch up. You go, you say whatever you want. And then we're moving on. What else are you doing? What else are you thinking about? You know, what what are you doing with the time you have now? All that kind of stuff. Hmm. Forward, yeah. forward, forward momentum. This is good advice. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm not one one thing I'll say for myself I'm not one to dwell you know yeah. I think it's um I, I really don't think that's not to say that I haven't in the last whatever it is two and a half years had moments of absolute like rage and anger and sadness and all those sort of things you don't get divorce and not feel those things and sometimes you got to share them um but you can't sit in that shit permanently no, it's so unhealthy and, I mean, you're sitting in a fucking soiled nappy. Like, move on. Oh, do you know what it reminds me of, which is very specific to you and I, but it's like when you talk to a comedian who got a bad review <laughs> or didn't get the TV show gig that they went for or something like that, and it's like, okay, I'll give you a bit of time to process that. Now, can we move on? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, you, this is like you. We're, we're going, we're moving into bitterness territory. Well, the interesting thing about it too is that, but well, when you use that comedian analogy, it reminds me that it's sort of a place of entitlement too. Yeah, it is. Like you are entitled to yeah. a to be treated like a good review, right? Yeah. Well, not everybody needs to get a good review. Like no. even if you have the best show in the world and you've given your all to it and heart, you know, blood, mm. sweat, and tears and whatever, if this is the greatest show you've ever created, yeah, people aren't obligated to like it. Yeah, guess what? Life's not fair. 
Mm. And also I think there's a point at which you can be taking the piss because everyone's got shit going on. You know, it doesn't matter if you're divorced, single, never been married, you know, whatever your relationship status, dating, we've all got stuff going on. So if, yes, you get a grace period when when you need a lot of support, but there's a point at which, you know, basically you need to pay for that or you need (laughs) to find someone, maybe a family member even, but there's a point at which your friends deserve to be heard too. And it's actually okay, I think, as a friend to kind of go, my time now too, please. <laughs> you know? I shat my pants last week. Can we talk about that? <laughs> on a date. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move us on. Thank you for your kind and generous questions. Oh, thank you for your kind and generous advice. And I want to make sure you know I did not shit my pants. I will keep going back to that. <laughs> oh, it makes you feel better. After I had my second kid, I went for that first walk after coming out of the hospital. And I was about a kilometre from home and I started to get the sweats. And I was just like, oh, no, I can't make it home. I'd been out of the hospital like three days. I don't think I can make it home. Let's just say I didn't make it home. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One segment we are keeping with return guests is called armchair expert where i put a meme or a tweet or something from the ether to you Uh so my first one and sadly i can't attribute either of these they just popped up in my facebook feed so this one it's a picture of a labrador that's a coincidence holding um its own leash walking Mm -hmm. along the road and it says when you realize that no help is coming you're an adult and have to motivate yourself to move forward how does that hit you i love it I love it too. Tell me I get I, well. Well, um, I like so. I'm going to get a little woo woo. Yeah, right. You know, I love I love I do. all that. Um, yeah. and I guess I realized about ten years ago, maybe more. I don't know. Um, that the actual gift to me of meditation and mindfulness is mainly meditation, but mindfulness as well, where you are very present moment aware and you don't have to be sitting, you know, cross-legged with the yeah. you know, pyramid over your head to say that, to be doing that. So the the blessing of that for me is that it allows me to be still and silent long enough to hear my heart voice, right? Yes, yes. Now, what that does is it answers all those questions of what do I do now? I, I'm lost. I'm, I'm, you know, why, why this is so unfair? All those sorts of moments where you're not perhaps being your own mm. keeper of the lead, right? Mm. And I hear from people, but because I'm in that sort of women's space, I guess I'm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today would say women because I don't really have these conversations with men, but I'm sure men feel it too, where they say, oh, I feel lost and I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to do. And I want them to just ask themselves. The question is the answers are inside you, but there's just just not some, Mm -hmm. I think, 
people don't want to do the work. And the work is fucking hard. The work is devastating. It's triggering. You can cry for years. You can be angry. Mm. You can, you know, want to self-medicate. You can do all those things. But at least you're doing the work. And Mm. at the end of the work, you'll just be so much happier and more sure of your purpose and the reason Mm. you are here. Mm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. And I think it's interesting because I didn't know what question you were going to ask me, but to me it ties into that that same question. Absolutely you lean on your friends when you're going through divorce and separation and, you know, your, your coven should be there for you and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's you. It is you who's going to get you through this and it's every single decision that you make. So if you make a decision to catch up with Joe and have cocktails and spend four hours talking about what a fuckstick your ex is, you are harming yourself. Mm. So there's no one who's going to swoop in and go, Nelly, look after yourself, like pick it up, do this. Well, maybe I was supposed to. but <laughs> Well, I think people can try, but we all also know, um, all of us know someone in our life who has all the tools and just doesn't use them, you know. It's so, and just, oh. Life is happening to them. Yes. They have no agency. They have, and that's not to say life can't be hard. Fuck me, life can be hard. But at the end of the day, you do have to motivate yourself. And that doesn't mean you have to bloody win a Pulitzer. I mean, what decision am I going to make to make myself move forward a little bit today? Yeah, and it doesn't even, like, I, I feel like, Move forward might be today I got dressed. Correct. You know, it, right. it's, it's not like you're sitting there going, okay, I'm meditating on what my heart voice is saying yeah. and it's like I'm going to go out and freaking write, a, you know, the world's greatest novel. No, I mean, what actually is my energy telling me I yeah. need to be better today, to feel yeah. a little bit better? And I mean like an uptick of like one degree. Yeah. It doesn't even, or a half, whatever. Yeah. But I just, I mean, I'm they not. Up. Yes. And and just like confidence begets confidence, right? Yeah, it really It's does. one of the greatest, um, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 because, you know, you, particularly when it's teenage people, you go, oh, my God, you just I want to gift you confidence. But the yeah. only way they can learn that is by taking risks and learning that they yeah. can be confident even when they're terrified. Well, it's the same thing. You have yeah. to just, uh, just do one thing and be um for me, it's about being guided by what it is that I need. Do you know what? Most of us actually know what we need. Of course which we all do. really interesting. Like how many campaigns do we hear about five fruit and veg and the da-da-da-da-da? And I just sit back and I go, we know. It's not about a lack of information. And I think it's really um, telling actually that you've just raised the issue of teenagers because I think a lot of people who get divorced um, in middle age have a bit of a teenage regression as well because that's mm-hmm. the last time you were free, right? Mm. So you might start dating again or you might be like suddenly going out more or you're probably drinking more or whatever it is. And you know what? Fucking enjoy it. Go for that. Enjoy yourself. But there is also a point in which you know that it's gone too far where you know that you're actually not adulting and mm. you got to get your shit together. You have to. And it might be, as you said, as simple as, as I said, with a friend with depression, it might be as simple as, I just want you to have a shower this week. Mm. You know, I'm not talking about you've got to, like, get the job of your dreams or find a new partner. I'm like, maybe you have less drinks than you did last week. But I think 
because I've observed, I've observed this in um, people of like your boomer sort of generation and up. Yeah. Uh, well, let's say you know we're all caring for more senior people in our lives, right? Mm. And it, one of the difficulties of that is that they are very bad at expressing needs. Yes. Right? Yes. But I think they've never been given permission to have a need. Yes. Okay. And most of us are from maybe teenagers or maybe for some lower, younger than that, you know, the world shuts off parts of you and and compartmentalizes you and blunts you and removes your creativity and your sense of spirit until the point where you have forgotten what it is that you need and what makes you happy. And it's um, maybe I think actually I have observed in some friends of mine when they have um, become single again, my God, it's beautiful to see them finally come alive yeah. in a way that they were not able to in that marriage because they were living a life of servitude largely because mm. they had, you know, kids and mm. their husband not contributing. And mm. so I love that that can happen. Mm. But you you have to be, there's a courage to that. Well, and also it's not going to click overnight. You know, I remember, as you know, I've got, you know, kids with additional needs and I remember the first time we'd been looking for a support worker for, we had money through the NDIS for a support worker. We hadn't been able to find one. Long story short, it took like, geez, nearly a year. And I remember the first afternoon that I'd had in some years to myself in the house, I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. I was a deer in the headlights. I had not had... That felt like freedom and I did not, should I be doing housework? Should I read a book? Should I have a bath? Should I, over time I've learned to adjust to that and I think that's the same with divorce. You know, over time you learn to adjust it but don't expect yourself, particularly if you've suppressed your own needs and let's call this out, that's also highly gendered. There's so Mm -hmm. many women and particularly mothers who their needs are like right at the bottom of the rung. You might not even know what you want. That's it. Right, so it's, yeah. you have to sit in that for a bit, and you'll work it out eventually. I mean, mm. what you call inner knowing, I call therapy. <laughs> you know, like, well, I I'm mad for that too. I love that. I know. <laughs> Actually, our next meme is related to this one. So, this was a little thing that popped up. Um, I think it was on my Instagram. Just said one: make a list of things that make you happy. Two: make a list of things you do every day. Three: compare the lists. Four, adjust accordingly. This is how to slowly make every day better. Mm, What do you think of that? I mean, I love it. I don't do it, but I I love it. (laughs) But let's say you're sitting there, whatever your relationship status, you're sitting there and going, I don't know what I need. Maybe putting pen to paper, sitting down and going, these are the things that make me happy. How does that match up with what I'm actually doing? Mm. Oh, well, I am a massive, massive fan of writing things down. Yes. I journal every day and I think I would be a deeply unhappy and also pain in the ass person. Yeah. Like no one could live with me if I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm clearly a model housemate now, but before that, I you know, like I just can't um I can't emphasize enough how there are thoughts and feelings that are inside you that will never come to light if you don't just put a pen on a piece of paper yeah. and just write words yeah. and don't even judge those words. Just let the words come mm. and eventually something will come out that you'll be like, holy fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
I yeah. don't know that about myself. And I reckon if you follow this exercise, I think all of us will be surprised because if you put something down, for example, my list of things that make me happy would be things like being well-rested, um, reading, spending time with the kids, you know, cooking a good meal, whatever it is. They're not the big things that you think. And there's not always an alignment, certainly in my everyday, with those you know, if I, for me to sit down in the middle of the day and read a book that I love, for example, I can't get past the feeling that's indulgent. But I think if I sit down, I look at that list and I go, oh, maybe that gives me permission because this is what life's about. Like, I love that. Mm. So why aren't I giving time to that? Why am I spending more time hanging out the washing than reading the book? It's, it, I mean, you know, eventually, and maybe this comes with adulting, like, you know, I'm 50 and uh, I just don't give a shit about the washing anymore, whereas <laughs> 15 years ago I would be like, yeah. doesn't matter, by hook or by crook, I better put that washing on the line. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck, whatever. Yeah. You know, wear bathers if you haven't got clean undies. I don't yeah. give a shit, right? It'll be, I think it'll be a different thing for everyone. Mm. But there, it's interesting to see. What are you, like what you focus on becomes important. What you give your time to becomes important. How many divorces are the result of the fact that someone felt like they weren't getting enough time or attention? Like so many of them. Mm. They could have been headed off. If someone had made this fucking list and gone, the most important person in my life is my wife, oh, it just turns out I don't talk to her. Or the most important. Yeah, that is so interesting. And, you know. Because months can go by and you don't have a yeah. laugh with the person you're living with. Yeah. Like a laugh. Yeah. Forget sex, laugh. Yeah. A laugh, a chat. Yeah. Yeah. A what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you mm. thinking about? Like yeah. I think that's why dating becomes so intoxicating because there's someone in front of you going, you're fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't felt fascinating for years. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, I, I do think that's partly why Des and I are still together because often he'll say something, I'll be like, what? What? How interesting. Mean? Yeah. What, what a funny little person you are. Well, like I think like that, reckon... that beginner's mind is a really lovely thing to have with someone. But I think that, you know, an invitation to the listeners, whether it's in the context of your relationship or your day-to-day life, whatever it is, make that list. What makes you happy? Mm. And then what are you actually allocating time to? There's a reality to life. Clearly, you're going to be allocating more time to work, probably most people, than they want to. you got to pay the bills, all that stuff. I get it. But if there's some things that you really love that you do not allocate time to, time mm. to change it up. This is what I want. I want, Nelly, right? And this is an insight into my brain because I was trained by commercial radio at an early age and it's like I've been institutionalised. Um, but I, if I was on commercial radio right now, you'd be like, give us a call and tell yeah. us if the thing that you desperately want is something you haven't done for 20 years, right? Yes. And often it's that random thing that, like, you know, I used to be yeah. a um, model airplane airplane maker. Yeah. I haven't done that for 20 years. Or, yeah. I used to, you know, I used to love get putting on the fluffy pants and going to rave parties, but I've not listened to music like that. I've not done it. Do you know? Well, you don't have to go to the parties necessarily, but, you know, getting to the music or whatever it is, I don't know. Mine was really, really simple. This is partly um, separation, but it was also partly COVID. Mine was I'm going to go to the movies. Mm. 
you know, just something as simple as that. And often I went to the movies on my own. Sometimes I went with a friend. Sometimes I went with a date. That wasn't the point. I love going to the movies as in going out to the movies. It wasn't any grand thing where I wanted to learn to bloody be a pilot. It was just like I want to reconnect with the part of myself that loves going out amongst the people and sitting and watching a movie. Mm. And, yes, please, I want people to call in and tell us. Like yeah, what I love those it. things and have you realised that, you know what, it's okay for you to allocate some time and money um, to going and doing that? Oh, I want really random things. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Are you yeah. ready for some listener calls? Yeah. Hi, Nelly, it's Dorothy here. My question is, how do you deal with a partner who's acting sort of weird and paranoid about the fact that you're starting to exercise more when you're doing it just to be healthier in your middle age, not because you're trying to look hot for other people or planning to pick up at the gym? Thank you. He's a fucking asshole. That is a fucking asshole thing. Seriously. What is going on there? So this is a woman who's clearly in a long-term relationship who started to exercise because we're told to. And because it's good for you. And it feels good. And it feels good. And her partner's going, were you trying to pick up some hot guy at the gym? Oh, this is fucked Mm. up, man. Oh, that breaks my heart because that is not a person you want to be in a long-term relationship with. You want someone to be like, I'm so happy for you. You found a, a zest for life and you found some motivation to actually care for your body and you're basically, I mean, you're prolonging your life. Isn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the element, for me, that level of jealousy and paranoia is really concerning. You know, that if someone, if your partner self-improves, if we consider exercise self-improvement, they get a new haircut, they get a fucking spray tan, I don't know, they do a cake course at the CAE. Whatever your version of self-improvement is, if you see that as a threat, to me you're trying to keep that person small. And why do you want them small? Mm, you want power, them small control. So that they'll stay with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't say anything good about him. What hurts me too, you know, I can almost hear a therapist say, Mm, why don't you just invite that person to do it with you as though there's some way of salvaging this? And I'm just like, I don't even feel like there is a way. I feel terrible saying this because this is someone's partner that they I'm sure love deeply. But how do you, how do you, how can, oh my God, I'm, I'm, it's a lot. I'm really sad for her. Yeah. Because that is a person who doesn't want her to be happy. Yeah. Well, and first and foremost, I mean, obviously it's interesting, the therapist analogy, because I think one of the things that frustrates me about modern therapy is that for so many therapists, there's no skin in the game. And there is that kind of, oh, well, let's be balanced. I kind of get that. I understand that professionally, but I think it also keeps people in situations, relationships, friendships, family relationships, that they uh, are not good for them. Mm. You know, and the truth is, what him being jealous of you exercising is wrong. To me, it's very black and white. I agree. So to me, you're more than welcome to say that to him. (laughs) And depending on how he responds, that's his shit. That is his shit. Do not stop exercising, girl. Like, let's let's start there. But, Nellie, what, um, 
what's the response in a way that oh fuck I mean I'm I'm really struggling with how terribly sad I am for this situation now yeah. and how I want to say to her fuck this guy you mm. deserve to be happy you deserve to do whatever feels yeah. great for you and you are growing as a person and that person is wanting to limit that right so fuck mm. that off right fuck that to hell yeah. but then <laughs> Ben, I'm so sad that this is her life. This yeah. is her relationship and it's not actually as simple as that. No, it's not. And I think, do you know what I find really interesting is that you've moved immediately into sadness and a kind of black and white. I don't, I actually feel angry about it, but I'm going to say I don't think it's necessarily a deal breaker. To me, it's about saying, name it, you know, we've said this before on mm-hmm. the podcast, name it to tame it, call mm-hmm. out the behaviour. I would be saying very directly to him, you are jealous because I'm exercising and I do not accept that. Mm. If he then can't move and can't see his own shit and see that it's all to do with him and nothing to do with her exercising, absolutely then off you fuck. Yeah, right. But I think in initial stages I'd be just naming it. Don't dance around it either. Don't kind of go, you seem a bit weird when I go to the gym. No, call it. You know what's happening. Mm. Call it and see how he responds. Yeah. And sure, invite him. I don't want to dismiss that. I don't think she wants to do it on her own. Yeah, well. Have it for yourself. You're allowed to have it for yourself. Maybe part of his jealousy. No, she absolutely is allowed to have it for herself. Absolutely. I love that for her and everybody else. Um, But maybe she... You're not his therapist. I'm talking around and around (laughs) because (laughs) the whole thing just really has made me sad for her because she deserves fucking better. She 100% deserves better. And just in case she's not sure, let's put an underline under that and it's in bold and it's in one of those fat fonts. Yeah, I've got a skywriter. I just booked a skywriter for tomorrow. (laughs) You deserve better. (laughs) <laughs> right now we've got another listener call you're going to love this one okay so this is a return caller i'll give you the background after hi nelly and emma thank you so much for answering my question it's mari i just loved hearing both of your answers and emma i felt so seen with yours i've listened to it a couple of times now and You're right. I do have intense and immense joy in my life from my friends and my family. And I feel pretty whole. And Nelly, I'm going to take you up on your offer to rewrite my dating profile. I think it's going to wait until the end of the year. My daughter gets her license in November and so she'll be free to drive around. Um, I think it will give me a lot more time. And anyway, if you're not too busy, then I'll send it to you. We can see how we go. Thanks so much to both of you. Can't wait to hear the rest of the episodes on your podcast, Nelly. They are fabulous. Thanks. Bye. Oh, now, by way of background. So this is lovely Mari, and she called in for an episode with Emma Race. Now, Mari has had breast cancer, and she'd gone through some, you know, significant chemo. And her question was basically, I'm paraphrasing, but the chemo killed her libido. Mm -hmm. And she was like, is it reasonable for me to even try and date? 
when I have little to no libido. I'm not sure. Um, we gave a couple of responses. Beautiful MR race basically said, and it's true, you know, that Mari just sounds so full of life. Like she's obviously so connected to her kids. She's got friends. She loves her work, all of that sort of stuff. Maybe that's actually enough. Like you don't have to fulfill, you know, the the stereotype of having to repartner. And I'd also suggested that I reckon that there's plenty of blokes in their 50s and 60s who also have low sex drive or no sex drive and might be really happy with a companion. Mm. Um, and that that's a, there's a particular way you've got to write that profile when you're doing online dating. But I know it's out there. I know it's out there. There's There's plenty of men who want someone to go to the bloody movies with, you know, who want to cuddle. Mm-hmm. who want to go to a, see a show or whatever it is and their main motivation is not sex. So I just loved beautiful Mari calling back and I'm so happy that she sounds so happy. She really, uh, you, firstly, very much you and Emma very much helped her and because she felt seen and because, you know, no one, I think often admitting you don't have a libido, mm. you fear that you're going to be ridiculed yes. because you know, we grew up with Cleo and Cosmo telling us how to have uh, you know, multiple orgasms. And yes. if, we, if we're not desperate to be constantly sucking cock and, you know, just been having fucking, you know, sex quickies in fucking airports, there's something wrong with us, right? Yes. <laughs> and I, I get really... I have quite a reaction to that because I think it's, you know, libidos go up and down with yeah. your life stage and, yes, your physical health, your emotional health, whatever's going on. And I think it's just awful that people feel excluded from society. Yeah. Well, and even from relationships, the woman survived mm. cancer. Yeah. She's been through chemo, you know, to then kind of go, oh, how hot are you, Mari? Mm. <laughs> are you are you gagging for it? Like, what's, like seriously, give her a yeah. Mari wants a cuddle. Yes, and Mari wants to enjoy life. And there yes. are so many different ways to enjoy life. Yes, and indeed Mari's doing many of them. So, yes, I think we've got to normalise that conversation. There's plenty of people listening in relationships whose libido waxes and wanes, plenty. Um, and there's also plenty of people who are single later in life who are not gagging to get on the apps and dating and having one-night stands, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Sit with yourself, as Joe said before. If you sit with yourself and you go, you know what, I don't even feel like dating, don't bloody date. Yeah. You don't have to. No. You know, try and have some human contact in some way or another, but that could be friends, it could be your bloody footy club, it could be, in fact, I won't even say human, it could be your fur babies. Mm, Yeah. All right, I'm going (laughs) to end now with you with a new segment right, for our returning guests. It's called Big Mistake. So instead of ending with your dating deal breakers and your um, he's a 10 buck because we already know yours, this is a new segment where I want you to talk us through a dating or relationship mistake that you commonly see. So when you're talking to your married mates or people who are dating or whatever, what's the thing you hear where you go, oh, shit, so big mistake, dating or relationships. What do you reckon, Joe Stanley? It's kind of an oldie but a goodie, but I'm yeah. seeing it. I'm seeing it again this time around with my friends who are dating again. Yeah. Um, is 
giving the impression that you're someone that you're not. Now that sounds like a really yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a really obvious thing. Yeah. And it reminds me of that song from the 90s I lied about being an outdoor type. Yes. <laughs> but like I have a friend who started seeing this guy who, um, you know, he would come over and she'd be cooking up a storm. And I'm like, you don't fucking cook. Yeah. And she's like, yes, <laughs> but I, he's coming over special occasion. I thought I should try. And now three times she's been on the phone in a panic going, holy shit, what am I going to do now? What am I what, doing? You know, yeah. what, what even does it mean to Blanche? And I'm like, yeah. fuck me, you're in trouble. Yeah. She's had three delicious meals served yeah. up. Literally, she's at the end of her repertoire. And yeah. I'm like, oh, big mistake. you got to yeah. start out not being able to boil an egg and yeah. then you go from there only ways up. We're too old for that shit. I remember I, I got matched with this woman on um, one of the dating apps and she's like, oh, for our first date, she said, do you want to go hiking? I said, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hiking on the first date. I'm setting a precedent. I'm not going to go hiking on the 10th date. So if I'm not going to do it, then one of my favourites, let me share this with you. I interviewed Catherine Marnie. She won't mind me telling you this, this author Catherine Marnie, because she said it on a podcast. Um, and she said <laughs> when it comes to head jobs, she's like, I'm good for four months and then I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm like, you create this impression that it's your favourite thing and I'm really into this and then you hit the four-month mark go, no more. I mean, does she does she enter the whole thing by just establishing that? Is she like, I'm here for a short time, not like a good time, not a long time, as far as the head job? I go. think my impression. I mean, obviously, we had a laugh about it, but my impression was that it was an unconscious pattern that she kept repeating. Ah, you know okay. that you put your quote unquote best foot forward. You try <laughs> yes. to reach about what what they would like, whether yeah. that is sexually or romantically or whatever else, and you deliver that. And you're presenting, you're probably even convincing yourself that that's who you are. Mm. And, of course, the truth of who you are, which is why you should never move in with someone after, like, three dates, the truth of who you both are reveals itself over time. Yes. I mean, look, there's a balance because you do want to put your best foot forward yes. or your best head job forward. Yeah. But... <laughs> Like you do, obviously, when you start, particularly if you like the person, like, you know, you're not, you know, you don't start by farting out loud in the kitchen. Yeah, but, sure. but, but I do think that it's got to be a sense of, yeah, don't set yourself up to fail. Like for you, Nellie, I don't think hiking was particularly a good idea from the point of view of you're not going to look your best because you're going to be fucking hot and sweaty and hating it. Yeah, and I'm not a walker. I mean, I'm a walker. I'm not a hiker. Yeah. Yeah, like, I guess. No. Yes. So also, it's not hot. It's not hot. But maybe that person thought it was hot. Yeah, but if that person thinks it's hot, we're not a match. You're not compatible. Absolutely. You know? Like yeah. know thyself from the beginning. Yeah. But like I... <laughs> I gave Daz the wrong impression to begin with that I was Jesus very, I was okay. No, stop. I thought right. you were just about to say I gave Daz a head job and I was like this is far too much information even for me. <laughs> I will Sorry. still do that 25 years in, so I've outlived the four months. <laughs> Continue. So I gave Daz the impression. That I was okay with horror movies. Right. For a very long time I sat through them. Yeah. Until finally I've gone, that is it. And you now... Broke. 
and now he knows there's nothing. I actually don't like anything. I don't like speed. I don't like heights. I don't do amusement yeah. park rides. I don't swim. I don't like this. Basically, I don't do anything, right? Yeah. And and I I'm ha- I I hope we stay together so I don't have to get out there and tell people that. what are you into? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> I tell you what, on that, that just reminded me, I would like, I would have to be matched with Abby Wombok to be interested in soccer, for example. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you match with someone and you pretend, I really love cricket because you <laughs> know I love cricket. You're going to have to sit through fucking cricket. No one likes cricket. You're going to have to sit through a five-day test. <laughs> That shit's not on. I would be sitting there begging to be able to give him a head job to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, just let me go down on you. Just end the cricket. <laughs> and I tell you what, you know the romance is still alive if you're doing that. <laughs> oh, Joe Stanley, thank you for being our return uh, Sloppy Seconds guests. Thanks, Nelly. I love being your sloppy seconds. Oh, it's such a delight to have you on. And um, I don't know what we'll call the thirds, but I'll come up with something equally disgusting. It has to have alliteration, like it sloppy does. seconds. There's not many th words, but I'll get there. Thick thirds? Thick. <laughs> no, I don't know. Thankful. Thankful. Oh, send in your suggestions. But yeah. Thank you so much, Joe Stanley. You're beautiful. Thanks, love. I love you. You are beautiful in every single way. All right, I'm going. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view. Dear Nelly, there's a lot to explore. Dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear so I'm hoping we can talk it through deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy and you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to ACAST and all the team. And lastly, to you. 
Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.